I want to take as my text this morning, or part of it, uh, from our reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We were in 1 Corinthians, been in 1 Corinthians the last couple of weeks, and we're continuing in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And if you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1132. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and beginning at verse 1, and I'd like us to read that again. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and beginning at verse 1. And so the Apostle Paul is writing what, what we know as 1 Corinthians, and yet in 1 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 9, he mentions a letter that he sent before. But he's writing to them again and seemingly making a reference to the previous letter. <laughs> So 1 Corinthians is really 2 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians is really 3 Corinthians. Not to confuse you. But this is what he writes in what we have as verse 1 of chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of flesh, as infants, babes, babies in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you weren't ready for it. And even now you're not ready. For you're still of the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only as in a human way? For when one says, well, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. This morning I want to talk about when believers fail to grow. When believers fail to grow, indeed not everyone who believes in Christ is growing in his or her faith. You may have noticed that either in the lives of others who seem not to be growing or perhaps you're noticing it even in your own life. I remember a man several years ago came and took the belonging course that we run in the spring and the fall. He took it as a refresher. In fact, at the time he was probably in his late 60s. He'd been in the church the whole of his life. At the end of the course, we did a survey, and one of the questions we asked was, describe yourself spiritually before you took the course, and now describe yourself spiritually now that you have taken the course. And in both instances, this man in his late 60s, who had been in the church all of his life, described himself as a novice. (laughs) As a novice. So he had been in the church all of his life, and he self-described as a beginner. And so not everyone who believes in Christ or is in the church is growing in his or her faith. And Paul says in our text that to be a believer that isn't growing, number one, is to be caught in a perpetual state of spiritual infancy. To be caught in a state of spiritual infancy. Indeed, notice again verses 1 and 3 through 3. He says, I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, not the spirit, but the flesh, as infants. 
As immature persons, if you like, if that's better than calling people babies, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you weren't ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it, for you're still of the flesh. And so the believers at Corinth weren't growing. In fact, they, Paul had been there and he had left. In fact, if you read the account of Paul's ministry uh, in, in Corinth, he was there at least two years and now he had been gone and he had written a letter. And of course, you know, it did, you write a letter and you have to give it to somebody who carries it across the you know, all of Turkey and wherever else to get to Greece. It's not like, well, it'll be there within five to ten days. There's none of that. A lot of time had passed. And so these Corinthian believers weren't growing in their faith. And so Paul says that he, he couldn't address them as people who were growing and advancing in the things of the Spirit. Rather, he had to address them as people of flesh, that is, people uh, directed and controlled by the flesh, by their fallen nature. As Paul describes it in other places, that uh, that's fallen nature. You know, sometimes you talk about it, it's like the devil on your shoulder. That's how we talk about it sometimes. But the, the part of you that wants to do sin that Paul says in other places is fundamentally at odds with God and the things of the Spirit. In fact, one of those other places is Galatians chapter 5, which is a fairly famous passage, where Paul draws this contrast and describes the, the, the relationship between the Spirit and the flesh, even as it exists in a believer. So in Galatians chapter 5, and beginning of verse 16, he says, And so I say to you, the believers in Galatia, walk in the Spirit, <laughs> Live your life influenced and, and inspired and filled with the Spirit of God. And when you do this, he says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For, he says, the, the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. For, he says, for they are in conflict with each other. And so Paul said that he couldn't address these believers at Corinth as people who were growing and advancing the things of the Spirit. Rather, he said he had to address them as people that are centered and focused on fleshly things. He describes them as infants in Christ, even though they had been believers for quite some time and should have been maturing. He said that he had to feed them with milk, spiritual milk. It's hard, you know. Uh, to, uh, people in that day didn't go down to the corner to get the formula and put it in a bottle. What he's talking about here is wet nursing, which is fine until a child is weaned. But after the child gets to an age where weaning would be the natural development, it becomes unseemly, you know. Can you imagine? I won't, well, in fact, I won't go any further with that. But that's what he's talking about. You should be on solid food, and I'm still having to wet nurse you. 
because you haven't developed spiritually like you should. And so I feed you milk. I feed, I feed, I feed you the, 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 the basics of the faith, which basics, you, even the basics you seem to be having difficulty appreciating. And because you don't appreciate them, you don't do them. And so Paul had to feed them this spiritual milk rather than what he calls spiritual meat. That is spiritual food that's fit for those who are growing and maturing. Spiritual food for those who are engaged in what we might call spiritual adulting. In fact, I think I first heard that expression, adulting, was Victoria, I think, was still a, an undergraduate at Baylor, and that came up, and that somebody was saying that millennials aren't adulting until they get into their mid-20s or late-20s or something, whatever it was. Adulting? I don't think I've ever heard that verb. I've heard the word adult as a noun, but now we're talking about adulting. What Paul is talking about is spiritual adulting. He's telling them, grow up! <laughs> because you're a bunch of babies. And I don't like running a nursery. But that's what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual adulting. And this is what it's like for believers who aren't growing. Indeed, it wasn't just a problem two millennia ago in the life of the first century church in Corinth in Greece, it remains a problem today. In fact, Leslie Vernick in her book with this rather provocative title, How to Do Right When Your Spouse Does Wrong, she wrote this. She said, some of us are not growing spiritually simply because we don't put into practice the things God teaches us. It's not that, it's not that we're not being taught, hopefully, in most cases, we just don't do it. <laughs> we, 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 in fact, if we did, we'd start adulting. <laughs> and so that's the first thing to be a believer that isn't growing is to be caught in a perpetual state of spiritual infancy. And then Paul says that to be a believer that isn't growing is to live a life that's often indistinguishable from the life of those who claim no faith. To live a life that's many times indistinguishable from a life like those who claim no faith. Indeed, notice again verses 3 through 7. For you're still of the flesh, he said to them. For while there's jealousy and strife among you. <laughs> jealousy and, and strife in the church? For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only as a, in a human way? The unregenerate, person? For when one says, well, I follow Paul, and another says, well, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Indeed, what then is Apollos, or what is Paul, me, but servants through whom you've believed as the Lord assigned to each? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. He's the one 
that if you take him out of the equation, nothing happens. That's what, what doctors say, you know. You know, we set the bone, the bone gets broken, we set it in place. But, but we don't heal people. We just set it up so that God can heal. And so neither, Paul says, neither is he who plants nor he who waters anything, but only God who gives the growth. He's the focus, and he's the point. And so Paul says that the lives of those who aren't growing are often characterized by the works of the flesh. And, of course, again, in Galatians 5, we, he provides this extended list of the works of the flesh. Perhaps you're familiar with them. In Galatians chapter 5 and beginning at verse 9, 19, he says, And the works of the flesh are these. That, and in some translations, and they're obvious. In fact, I'm going to read these and you're going to go, Yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> But the works of the flesh are these, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, that's division and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, and I, a pastoral comment, and I, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so that's an extended version of the works of the flesh. But here in our text, Paul only mentions two, so we'll only expand on these two. And the first is jealousy. You know what that is, don't you? You ever feel that? Or have people that were jealous of you and how that went? John Piper describes jealousy this way. He says, jealousy is desire and resentment combined. Jealousy is desire and resentment combined. To be jealous is to want something and then resent somebody because they've got what you want. And so your face drops and you feel hatred in your heart. They haven't done anything wrong. What's the matter with you? But boy, you feel it. That's sin. That's the flesh. You're, going to, oh, you're talking about the flesh. I don't know what that means. That's the flesh. Recently, I had somebody who was uh, angry with me, and I, I challenged the person. I said, please tell me what I have done wrong. And I couldn't come up with anything. You know why? Because I hadn't. But it made him angry anyway. <laughs> and we do that. A few weeks back, we talked on the text on Micah, Micah 6, 8. If you don't know any scriptures, well, I know you know John 3, 16. But beside that, Micah 6 and 8, memorize it. Because if you know that, then you know just about everything. You know, O oh man, what God has required of you. And what does he require? But that you do justice and love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. That you do justice. That you're fair. Don't be mad at people that aren't doing something wrong. Just because whatever you're touchy. 
Do justice. Be fair. Love mercy. Give people a break. Stop concentrating on their faults. And don't walk in pride. Walk in humility. Walk humbly with your God. That's what Micah the prophet said God requires of God's people, of his people. Do justice. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. That'll keep you from being jealous, by the way. But Piper says jealousy is desire and resentment combined. And perhaps that uh, was what somebody had in mind when somebody else wrote this. This is great. If you want to be comforted by people, tell them your bad news. If you, wanted to be, if you want to be hated by them, tell your good news. Or as someone else has written, instead of counting our own blessings, we tend to count other people's blessings. And when we hate them for it, that's jealousy. Jealousy and ingratitude go hand in hand. And so those who aren't growing spiritually are often given to jealousy. And then Paul says that those who aren't growing spiritually are often given to strife. That is to anger, bitter conflict with others. And the more people you have in the church that are not growing spiritually, I guarantee the more strife and conflict you'll have. Rick Warren in his famous book, The Purpose Driven Church, wrote, one of the ways that God measures our spiritual maturity is by the quality of our relationships. Let me read that again. One of the ways that God matures our spiritual, our measures our spiritual maturity is by the quality of our relationships. How would you describe the relationships you're having? And is that indicative of spiritual maturity or spiritual immaturity? was the American Catholic writer and Trappist monk, Thomas Merton, who said this. We're not at peace with others because we're not at peace with ourselves. And we're not at peace with ourselves because we're not at peace with God. Generally speaking, when I'm having a conflict, the problem is mine. <laughs> I'm not at peace with others because I'm not at peace with myself and I'm not at peace with myself because I'm not at peace with God. And then Paul mentions this tendency of those who are not growing to focus on what doesn't matter rather than to focus on what does. Notice again verses 4 through 7. For when one says in the church, this is how they were talking, well, I follow Paul, he's my man. I like the way he teaches, he knows so much. I mean, he's, you know, he's not really fiery or anything, but he's so deep. And when one says, I follow Paul, or, or, or another, I follow Apollos, and Apollos was known for his, his eloquence. He was the preacher's preacher. Well, I don't do anything he says, but I just love listening to him. For once, for one, one, when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not 
being merely human? That's what anybody would say. And then he says, and, and by the way, what, what is Apollos? And what is Paul? You know who we are? We're servants. We're servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I did my ministry and he did his. As God assigned. But God is the one who gave the growth at Corinth. And so neither he who plants nor he who waters. In fact, that's what he said. I planted and Apollos watered. But God gave the growth. And so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. But only God who causes the growth. And so Paul says that like unbelievers, those who aren't growing spiritually tend to focus on people rather than on God. I would love to hear people talk as much about God in the church as they talk about other people in the church. That would be good. And this is what was going on in Corinth placing all this focus upon Paul and, and Apollos. In fact, if you look at the first chapter, then there also was a Peter group. Well, I'm of Cephas, Kepha, the rock, Peter. But Paul says that he and Apollos are just servants of God. I planted. There wasn't a church in Corinth, and I came like I go, have been coming to all these other places, and I started one. And it says he was there actually for, uh, he was there for about two years. And so he really got it going. And then he got out of there to go start another one somewhere else. In fact, he told the Romans, he said, I'm heading to Spain. And when I come through Rome, I want you to send me to Spain because I don't think there's a church out there. I don't want to work where other people have worked. My calling is to establish things that haven't been established. Apollos was completely different. He never started anything. He went and he preached in the churches that Paul had started. That's okay. They were each assigned by God the assignment that they were to do. But Paul says that um, it's God who causes the growth. In fact, Paul told the Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. He didn't say he was the power or that people won't believe unless you delivered in a certain way. In fact, on the night that I was converted, it wasn't presented in any particular way that I remember. But boy, it sure made sense for the first time. And the words and the, the propositions were there. And I was invited. And I said, yes. Paul says it's God who causes the growth. And when Paul was in, uh, in Philippi and he was preaching down by the river with his, with his, uh, his age and his fellow ministers, if God opened Lydia's heart and she believed. And if God doesn't do that, then nothing happens. Indeed, Paul says that God causes the growth. Notice again, verses 6 and 7. I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, and so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. You're making this big deal about us. We're nothing in the grand scheme of this. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. 
And so, and those who are growing, by the way, know this, <laughs> that what matters most is God. And those who are growing focus on God. And so I wonder this morning, are you growing in the things of the Spirit? I would venture a guess that if the words of Paul are making you angry this morning, perhaps not. <laughs> but if the things that we've talked about this morning are ringing true in your mind and in your heart, that no doubt is because the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. And if he's speaking to your heart, I want to encourage you to listen carefully and do what he says. Amen? Amen. When believers fail to grow, let us pray. It's never too late, is it, Lord? When we think of the fact that Moses was 80 years old when he experienced you in the midst of the burning bush, of bush that burned but wasn't consumed. And at the age of 80, you said, and so I'm sending you to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. It's never too late. Today is the day, as the scriptures say. And so that's all that matters, is, from, is what we do from this day forward. And so maybe we haven't been growing. And maybe we haven't even been thinking about it. In fact, the other voices are so loud and so compelling, and we've just been going along, and we've had Jesus in the back seat, just in case we need something. Indeed, that's a, that's a good question. Lord, is Jesus our spare tire, or is he the steering wheel? Is he driving us? Is he taking us where he wants us to go? Or are we taking him along to where we want to go? Help us to see these things for what they truly are, Lord. In your grace, Lord, give us an appetite for holiness. Give us an appetite for the filling of the Spirit and break, Lord, our addiction to things that only are meant to harm. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.